What a wonderful, wonderful reminder of amazing grace. You know, when I think, when I think about the, the reality of grace, the reality of, of the sacrifice, it's difficult for us to, to wrap our brains around what Christ actually did in that yes he gave his life for ours yes he paid the penalty for our sin yes his sorrow brought us joy his death brought us life but we must remember that that Christ died for us the scripture tells us in Romans chapter 5 while we were yet sinners the scripture tells us that that we by very nature are are enemies of God that we are that we are children of wrath that we are by our very nature and by our very actions and by our very heart, it, it tells us that the heart of man is, is, is deceitful and wicked. Who can know it? And it's only, it's only after we are changed by Christ and by changed by the Holy Spirit that we become a, a follower of Christ. We become a friend of God. We become, we become a child of God. And so Christ gave his life while we were haters of God, while we were enemies of God. Oh, the vastness and the richness of his grace what an encouraging encouraging song if you have your bibles this morning open up to the book of luke chapter 5 last week we looked at the miracle of christ how he fed the thousands and and how he actually empowered the disciples to do the work that the miracle was holy and and 100 percent in the hands of christ but it was the disciples who who actually did the work, that, that Christ did what only Christ could do, but he compelled his disciples to do the work which fed the people. Today we're going to be looking at another one of the miracles of Christ, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Now it came about that while the multitude were pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the multitudes from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. But at your bidding... I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to the other partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came, and they filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For amazement had seized him and all of his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. So also James and John, the son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not fear. From now on, you'll be catching men. And with that, they brought their boats to land, left everything, and followed him. Let's pray. God, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement, Lord, that we've had this morning. Lord, that were it not for the amazing grace, Lord, we would still be we'd still be dead, dead in our sins, dead in our trespasses. But because of the grace that you've shown us, Lord, we're alive. 
God, we pray that as we open up your word here this morning, Lord, you may speak to our hearts, you may encourage us, Lord, that you may convict us of sin, convict us of our, our frailty, or bring us to a place where we see Christ for who he is, as the King of kings and Lord of lords. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We began last week talking about how there's not a miracle that Christ did just for miracle's sake. He didn't walk around and say, you know, I'm bored today, so, so you know, I'll, I think I'll go heal some people. He wasn't looking for something to do uh, when he was fishing, and so he said, you know, uh, I, I think I'll just you know, fill these boats so that they sink. Every miracle that Christ did was done with a purpose. We talked about last week how Lazarus is, when Christ called Lazarus from the dead, that, that the miracle demonstrated Christ's authority over sin, death, and the grave. That whenever Christ healed the woman who was hemorrhaging for years, that it showed his power over disease, and disease is a result of sin, of the fallen world that we live in. And so Christ's healing was a demonstration of his power over sin and over disease. When Christ healed, when Christ stilled the sea, when the, the waves were crashing over and the disciples thought they were about to perish, that Christ's power over the sea demonstrates, and the weather demonstrates, that, that he is the Lord of this world, that he is sovereign and in control over all things. Whenever Christ is walking into the city of Jerusalem, blind Bartimaeus cries out, Son of David, have mercy upon me. It demonstrates that those who seek Christ, even though they are blinded by sin, those who seek Christ will find him and will find sight. Today, we're going to look at the miracle of Jesus as he, as he fills these boats with fish. Now, I want to point out some of, the, some of the aspects leading up to the miracle. Because we need, it's important for us to understand that every aspect in our life, every aspect in this world, every, everything that happens to us is not by chance. There is, there is, there is nothing that, 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 just, that just happens. It, it's, it's, God did not, there, there are people who are of the thought that, that, that God created and, and he spun the, the universe and the solar system into existence and then is sitting back watching uh, as, as his creation unfolds. But the scripture gives us a, a vastly, different, uh, a vastly different, in, different insight into the character of our God. The scripture tells us in Colossians chapter 1 that, that, that God created all things and that all things are held together by his omnipotent power. The scripture tells us in um, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, that God causes all things to work together for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And we like to focus on this last part, that, that, that all things work together for the good, but we fail to back up and realize that God causes all things. That means all things. That means death, cancer, hardship, disease, layoffs, depression. God causes all things. Well, you, you say, well, how, how, can you, how, how can you say that a good God will, will, will cause these things? Well, well we have, we have a, a very limited perception. And for us to, to question the character of our God based upon our perception and based upon our understanding gives us the, the, 
it places us in the preeminent position over God. And who are we to say that it is not good for us, as the psalmist says in Psalm 119, it was good for us. Turn, turn with me, if you will. I'm sorry, Brother Chris, I didn't give you this one. Uh, Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verses 71 and 72. The psalmist says this. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better to me than a thousand of gold and silver pieces. In the midst of the affliction, in the midst of the, the hardship, in the midst of the difficulty, well, certainly it's not good for us. It's hard, it's difficult, it's painful. But the psalmist said, it was good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. And God causes all things to work together for the good. And it's important that we understand that, that the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose may not be good here and now. But God has an eternal perspective in mind. God sees far beyond what we see. God sees beyond next week's paycheck. God sees beyond the mortgage that's due at the end of the month. God has an eternity in perspective. And how many of us know that, that there are more important things than paying the mortgage and putting up for your retirement? So we understand that God was orchestrating all things leading up to this miracle. And so here are the disciples. Now, now it's important for us to understand that Peter, James, and John are, are partners together in this endeavor, probably with uh, the father Zebedee, and so you, what, what you basically had is you had a small business. They had a fishing business. They probably had many employees working with them, working under them. This wasn't just some, some, some two-bit fishing operation, but they were fishing all night. They were coming in. They were bringing in the catch. They were going to bring their catch to the market. They were going to sell, the, uh, sell the, the, the fish at the market. They were going to bring uh, the, the, the money in, and they were going to divide it amongst, amongst the, the business. And so, so this was a small business. Peter and James and John and Zebedee, they're living the Jewish dream. This is the, 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 the Israelites' version of the American dream. They are they're operating a successful small business. They had multiple boats. They had probably many more employees than just Peter, James, John, and Zebedee. Their wives were probably working for them. Their children were probably working for them. You probably have brother-in-laws and cousins and, and, and the neighbor kids. There was, this was a small business. And they were, they were successful. The fact that they had multiple boats, the fact that, 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 that there were, uh, the fact uh, there, there are many things in Scripture that lead us to believe that, that James and John and Peter were successful at what they were doing they were living the dream now they go out and they know how to fish this is not a a endeavor in which they were just trying something new Peter James and John Zebedee they know how to fish yet they go out and they catch nothing well remember what we said that God causes all things to work together for good of those who love him and call according to his purpose who is it that 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 possibly had had some hand in the fact that they labored all night, toiled all night, and caught nothing. Well, maybe, just maybe, God was working in a way that they had not intended, they had not seen, in order to bring them to the place, in order to, to prepare them for their meeting with Christ. Peter's poor catch 
would, pre would prepare him for what was about to come. Now, as they fish all night, it's important for us to understand uh, that, that this is not, uh, this fishing endeavor uh, is not something, uh, there, there are no outboards on these, motor, uh, on these boats. They're not, uh, they're not launching the boat and cranking up the engine and, and driving you know, a few miles offshore uh, and, then, and then letting down the outriggers. And you no, know, this is extremely laborious work. They're rowing out to the middle of the, of, the, of the lake. They're manually letting down these nets. They're manually rowing the boat, pulling these nets. They're, they're manually pulling these nets aboard, resetting the nets, trying different things. So they have labored for probably 8, 10, 12 hours, hard manual labor. They get back to shore with nothing to show for their work, Nothing to show for their effort. And at this point, the scripture tells us that the work's still not done. What are they doing? Look at, look at verse 2. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of the boat and they were washing the nets. They were cleaning out all of the grass and all of the seaweed and all of the, 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 the bycatch and, and the stuff that, that was not profitable for them. They were washing the nets. There was still a tremendous amount of work to be done. And then they probably had to wash the boats. They probably had to clean all the, uh, all the equipment and, and get ready for the next night. Peter and James and John meet Jesus at this point, completely and utterly exhausted, frustrated at their lack of productivity, frustrated at their lack of success. And Jesus says, set out. A little bit from the shore. Now, I want to notice, uh, I want you to, to notice that the miracle of Christ, in, in, in this miracle, that there are three different levels of commitment. Three different levels of obedience that Christ requires, specifically of Peter. The first level of commitment is the level that many of us find ourselves willing and, and participatory in. Jesus tells Peter, put out the boat a little bit from shore. It's inconvenient. It's not, it's not, he's tired. It's, this is, he's been, he's been working all night. He hasn't caught anything. Here comes this guy whom, whom he may have heard of before. And there's this huge multitude that, that is following him. And so, and so Peter being a nice guy, Peter being the, 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 the kind of guy that, that if somebody asks you to do something, you'll, you'll go the extra mile. So Peter Jesus just gets in his boat, and Jesus said, hey, do you mind putting off a little bit from the shore so that I can teach these people? So Peter stops what he's doing. He stops washing his nets. He gets in the boat, and he says, fine. He pushes out a little bit from the shore. It's an inconvenience. It, it, it requires a, a, a sacrifice of some point, uh, of, uh, of some level. It requires a, a little bit of faith that, 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 that here was this man who had something to say. But it required very little sacrifice. And this is where most of us are in our, in our walk with Christ. We're willing to, to do something that is, that is inconvenient. It, it's much easier to lay in bed on a Sunday morning and to turn on the TV and to do some yard work and to, 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 to spend time at home. But you know what? For Jesus' sake, we're willing to get out of bed we're willing to take a shower, brush our teeth, put on clothes, and actually go to church. 
And you know what? We're, we're even willing to, to, to sit through the music service. And, 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 and you know what? Because we love Jesus, we'll even listen to that preacher ramble for 30, 45 minutes. But, but, but after that, we're going to eat. We, we have to reward ourselves for our sacrifice, right? This is where most of us are. We are we're willing to be inconvenienced, and at times, we will inconvenience ourselves to the point where we actually teach a vacation Bible school or we'll, we'll serve on a committee, but, but notice the next level of commitment. Notice at, at, at this level of commitment, there, there was a blessing. They were Peter and James and John and all the multitudes who were able to hear the teachings of Christ. What a, what, a, what a blessing. They were able to hear the Lord of glory teach the, the things of God. They were able to, to be witnesses to, to, to one of the, the greatest teachers to ever grace the face of the earth. But there was no miracle. The next level, look at verse Luke chapter 5, verse 4. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep water. Now, remember, there are no outboards. Peter's exhausted. He asked Peter to take a step of faith, to leave the shoreline and go out into the deep water. Peter must row the boat. He must leave the, the safety of the shore, the calm waters against the shore, head out into the open water, the deep water, where the waves and the wind, are, are the, the boat is more susceptible to the waves and the wind and the weather. Peter must, Peter must at the bidding of Christ, let down the nets. Again, an, an act of labor. This aspect of commitment, this aspect of faith, indeed was, was required greater physical commitment. It required a sacrifice, a sacrifice of his time, of his energy, a sacrifice of, of, of his resources. There was a chance every time you let down the nets, there's a chance that you snag something on the bottom and you lose those nets. There's a chance that, that, that every time you put that boat out that something happens to the boat which, which could cost his business money. But yet, as Peter takes this step of faith, this deeper commitment to follow Christ, he's rewarded. Now, keep in mind, this is contrary to logic. Peter is, is a fisherman. Peter knows that we have our best success at, at dawn, at dusk, in nighttime, in the heat of the day. Uh, we're, we're not going to do very well. There's a reason that they went fishing at night so that when they brought the catch in, they could take it to market first thing in the morning. Having, having this, even if they did catch anything, they wouldn't get it to market in time to sell, so they'd have to find a way to keep it overnight. They didn't have coolers and refrigeration they didn't have ice machines there were no there, there were no ice chests that they could keep the fish cold and so even if they did catch anything this was this was going to be difficult to get to market in time to sell this this and and besides we just got done fishing all night we're not going to catch anything yet 
The scripture tells us, look at, look at verse 5. And so Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night, yet at your bidding, I will let down the net. He said, it doesn't make sense, it's contrary to logic, yet I will follow you anyway, yet I will obey anyway. Letting out into the deep water took a great amount of faith, took a tremendous amount of physical sacrifice. It was contrary to logic. It took an act of, of service, an act of work, an act of labor. Yet, he did it anyway. And it's important for us to note, to understand, that at the greater level of commitment, there was a greater blessing, was there not? They let it down, as Peter let down the nets, as they began to draw in the nets, and, and keep in mind, who is orchestrating all of this? The Lord is. Why do you think they didn't catch anything to begin with? I don't know. Why do you think this time they caught so much that their nets were breaking? I don't know. Maybe because God was sovereign over all things. As they let down their nets and as they began to, to, to pull the fish in, Peter began to realize that, that, that this man was more than just a talented teacher. This man was just more than, than, than a miracle worker. That this was indeed the Christ, the Son of the living God. As Peter makes this next step, as Peter lets out from the shore, leaves the, the, the comfort and the safety of the shoreline, leaves the comfort of his friends and co-workers and partners, and heads out into the deep, then he is rewarded with a blessing that is far beyond anything that he could ever imagine. As he, as he obeys in spite of what his mind tells him, you know, Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord in all of your ways. Lean not on your own understandings, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And as Peter... Trust in the Lord in all of his ways. As he leans not on his own understanding, all of a sudden, the reward becomes so much greater than he could ever imagine. But I want us to notice that there is a deeper commitment coming still. When they get back from the land, the small business mind in us says, okay, we've got to process these fish. We've got to get them to market because, because we've got to make money now. We've got to strike while the iron's hot. We've got to make hay while the sun shines. And notice Peter's response. Verse 8. Signal for Verse 7. They signaled for the partners to come out and help them because the, 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 the nets were breaking. They couldn't get the fish over the boat. So, so they, they bring this other boat out. They fill the boat with fish. And the boat begins to sink. That's a lot of fish, people. I want to go on this kind of fishing trip. This is a catching trip. This ain't a fishing trip. They went, Jesus didn't go fishing. Jesus went catching. That's a lot of fish. They, they, they're bringing these, these fish in, and their boats are sinking because of the amount of fish that they're caught. And Peter's response when they get back is not, man, look at all the money we're going to make. Notice his response. Verse 8. He fell down at Jesus' feet. Depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Verse 11. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Now, let this sink in. They just had the single most profitable event in their entire business venture. If you're an insurance salesman, this is the greatest 
sale of the greatest client. If you're a if, if, if you're a financial advisor, you just landed the greatest client that they, they want to invest five hundred million dollars with you, and you're going to get all this commission. If you're if if if, if whatever if you're a plumber, you you just got the the you just got the the bid or you you won the bid to plumb the entire city of of Dallas, Texas. This is the greatest business, the greatest success in this small business's life. And they get back with all of this 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 one-time infusion of of resources and they leave it all behind. They left everything. Took the greatest amount of faith. They forfeited their profits. They forfeited their livelihood. They forfeited their sale. They forfeited their riches. They exchanged riches in this world for riches in the world that's to come. See, so many of us are so busy pursuing the American dream that we fail to realize what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul. At that small level of commitment, they were blessed. Yes, it was inconvenient, and they received a blessing. At that deeper level of commitment, they were blessed that much more and received such greater reward. But when they left everything and followed Jesus, they were rewarded beyond all measure. You know, today, tomorrow is Memorial Day. And we will recognize and we will honor those who have given the ultimate sacrifice for our country. Those who have, have served and gave their life defending the freedoms that we have in this country. And, and they are worthy of our honor. They're worthy of our, of our remembrance. They're worthy of, of, of being memorialized. And I think so oftentimes we become, uh, we take for granted the price that was paid for our freedom. But even more than those who gave their life for our freedom, I think we take for granted those who've gone before us in the faith and have given their lives that we might not simply have political freedom, but have freedom from sin, death, and the grave. The scripture tells us that of all of the disciples and all of the early church fathers, Every one of them gave their life for the cause of the gospel. Every one of them, with the exception of John, who died of old age. Paul was shipwrecked. He was beaten, left for dead multiple times. It was eventually, was eventually killed by the Romans. Peter was crucified upside down by the emperor Nero. James, the brother... James, the, the brother of Christ, was killed in the book of Acts. James, the disciple, was thrown off of the temple, uh, off of the temple mount uh, and 
landed uh, and, and was killed upon the fall. Mark, John Mark, the gospel of, of the, uh, the author of the gospel, Mark, was drawn and quartered. He had his legs and his arms tied to horses and pulled in different directions as they ripped his limbs from his body and left his bleeding uh, torso there until he bled to death. Thomas, uh, the doubting Thomas, Thomas of, of, of little faith, uh, upon, uh, upon receiving the Holy Spirit, heads out to India, and he's eventually killed in India uh, as he is uh, tied to a stake and stabbed to death. John, the only one who didn't receive, who, who wasn't martyred, was boiled alive, and after they couldn't kill him by boiling him, they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos until they figured he's too old to do any harm, and, and they let him come back and die of old age. You can read countless stories after stories after stories of, of the early church fathers who gave their lives for the cause of the gospel. And I say all this to say that that, that greatest amount of commitment and that greatest level of faith leads to the greatest blessing, the greatest benefit. You say, what a blessing that was. They got boiled alive. They got, they got stabbed. They got hung. They got burnt alive. They got, they got drawn and quartered. Yeah. But what did they receive? When we are willing to sacrifice all that we have for the cause of Christ, we're rewarded with so much more. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Mark, chapter 8, verse 34 and 35. As Jesus is, is giving his commission to his disciples, listen how he encourages them. In verse 34 of 35, he said, whoever wishes, in verse 34, he says, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And if he wishes to save his life, he will lose it. But if he loses his life for my sake in the Gospels, then he will find it. See, when, when we try and hold on to the things which are important to us, we lose the things which are important to us. When we try and, 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 and hold on to our life, when, when, when you try and, and save and you try and, you try and squeeze everything that, that, that you can possibly squeeze out of your bank account, when, when you try and hold on to the stuff, what happens? You lose it. Jesus said, if you try and save your life, You'll lose it. But if you give your life for my sake in the Gospels, you'll find it. And that's what his disciples found. When they gave their life to Christ, when they followed him, when they left everything that this world has to offer and they followed Christ, Peter, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked him, who do you say that I am? Peter said, thou art the Christ, son of the living God. He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for God has not revealed this to um, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then Jesus began, he, he continued, he said, that upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. That Peter became the bedrock of the church. Peter became that, that, that cornerstone. Peter became, if you read the first few chapters in the book of Acts, who's the, the main character? It's Peter. When we leave everything, we're willing to sacrifice all that we have for the cause of Christ. We're rewarded with so much greater. You know what's interesting as we talk about these disciples who gave the ultimate sacrifice. I'm drawn to the passage in 
Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. The Apostle Paul says this. As he is in prison, as he's in a Roman jail, he writes, For me to live is Christ, verse 21, For me to live is Christ and for me to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which one to choose. For I'm hard-pressed in both directions, having desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. And so he's, he's grappling with this, this, this decision. He says, okay, do I want to die or do I want to live? Because if I die, I get to go be with Jesus. If I live, then I get to serve Jesus. And so he's faced with a tough decision. And that's why he was so effective for the gospel. Paul said earlier in, in, in the book of Corinthians, he said, for I die daily. In the book of Galatians, he said, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but the life which I now live in the, faith, in the flesh, I now live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself and who loved me and gave himself for me. And so because Paul was already a dead man, because he was already crucified in Christ, because he had already given himself to Christ completely and, and wholly, because he had already committed so deeply that, that his life, which he now lived, was now, was now dead, and he was now living his whole life for Christ, you can't kill him. If you kill him, he goes to be with Jesus. He's rewarded. If you don't kill him, then he's living for Jesus. See, all of the disciples, all of the early church fathers were already dead. They were already dead to themselves. They were dead to this world. They were dead to the things that, that, that this world says are important. And so they were living their lives wholly and completely committed to Christ. And so for that reason, you can't kill them. You can't take anything from them that, that, that will destroy them because they're already dead. For me to live is Christ, and for me to die is gain. I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. But I count all things to be lost compared to the knowledge of knowing Christ. He has already yielded everything to Christ. He's already left everything to follow him, so this world can take nothing from him. See, where we are, church, in our Western complacent Christianity, We'll follow Christ as long as we don't have to leave the shores. We'll put off a little ways as long as we can stay close to our friends, our family, as long as we don't have to sacrifice too much. We'll be inconvenienced. We won't sit out into the deep, and we certainly won't leave everything for Christ. Obedience. is what God desires. So many of us sit out here this morning and we ask ourselves, how come we're not blessed? How come we're not uh, effective for the kingdom? How come God's not using me like He's using so-and-so? And my response is simply because you're living for yourself and not for Christ. You're holding on to the American dream so tight you're holding on to the stuff this world has to offer. And you'll never receive the blessings 
that God desires for us. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. How do you, how do you receive the blessings of God? You give yourself completely over to him. Die to yourself. And you will live in a way that you've never been able to live before. Let's go to the Lord with a word of prayer. God, we thank you. We thank you for this wonderful encouragement of Peter, who left everything, left financial gain, left success left this world to follow you. Lord, and was rewarded eternally. Lord, there are those of us here who've been striving for the things of this world only to find themselves empty, only to find themselves frustrated. If that's you this morning, God is calling you. He's calling you too. Stop striving for the things of this world and follow Christ. There are those of you out there who may have, you may have had that first level of commitment where you've trusted Jesus as your Savior. You've even committed to come to church. But God's calling you to a deeper level. He's calling you to sacrifice. He's calling you to, He's calling you to lay aside the things of this world become recklessly obedient. There's some of you here whom God is calling to forsake everything and follow Him. During this time of invitation, I want you to be able to use this altar to respond to the Lord. If you need to grab somebody and come pray with them, feel free to do so. Lord, may you encourage us here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together hymn number five.